Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. It's Balloon Party. It's 101 ESPN. My name is Tim McKernan. That's Jackson Burkett. And he is dressed up as an English professor at Washington University today. I personally like the look, but I just don't know how it's going to play. For those watching on YouTube, yesterday you wore a cardigan, which I think is a wonderful look. Mm-hmm. I think it's a sharp look. You noted on the podcast we do, the Tim McKernan show, uh, that it's a it's a look a, a young tyke could sport, a high schooler could sport, a gentleman in his twenties, such as yourself, could sport a thirty something, forty something, fifty something, sixty something, seventy something, eighty something, ninety something. Uh, somebody who's a hundred and five could wear a cardigan. It's all inclusive, mm-hmm. and yet we were chastised while recording our matinee edition of questions from the audience on the Tim McKernan Show podcast, and the gentleman voiced this query. Why is there a virgin wearing a shawl? Now, we frowned on that. We also titled the podcast that after we saw it. And today, I hadn't seen you, even though we've just done a show together for three hours. You're in your Horton Watkins studios. And I walked in and I go, boy, because I, I know what's waiting for you. And part of me now thinks you're just trying to provoke the audience. That's what I think. I think I look good. It's a little like uh, 90s grunge meets Bond villain, and I kind of like that crossover. Oh, interesting. I see that. Like like dudes with drool stains on their damn t-shirts are the ones like, Jackson, you look like an idiot. Like, I don't like nice. Whatever. I'm not like bragging. I'm just, I, I like my clothes, so I put them on. I feel good in them. What did Coach Prime say? Feel good. Or, I'm sorry. Look good. Play good. Get paid good. Nice. I, I, I use that. So if I feel good in my clothes and it gives me confidence, the hell do you say otherwise? Wow. Losers. Ah! Just kidding. All of. I don't know. I don't know about that. Whatever. I just, what are you going to do? 314-399-9646 is how you can text into this program. It's the Air Comfort Service text line. You can watch it on the Airlines team uh, studio cameras. Uh, that's on the YouTube channel. Um, and plenty of people are engaged already in that YouTube chat. You can you can partake as well. Uh, this is big today because we have a Thursday thoroughfare. That's right. I'm anxious to hear what the lead is. I mean, where do you go? Mm. Well, Tim, the lead I think uh, is actually somewhat obvious because a major moment happened yesterday around four fifty-five, five o'clock. 
I think it was earlier than that, but yeah, ballpark, 4 o'clock hour, Central. Yeah, and uh, that, of course, is that Nick Saban is shutting her down, Tim. Isn't it amazing that in 24 hours, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, and Nick Saban all parting ways in one way or the other, and you feel, and I think many would actually agree, uh, I don't know, I don't. maybe it's, maybe it's a Mason-Dixon line thing, but that, that Nick Saban is the lead. I mean, the day that Bill Belichick and the Patriots part ways, it's not the top story. But I agree with your ranking. Yeah, definitely. So Nick Saban is no longer the coach of Roll Damn Ties. In a surprising move, the six-time national championship coach is shutting it down. First, does it surprise you at all that Saban is leaving after falling in the semis as opposed to leaving after another title? And second, what do you think is going through the Alabama AD's head in terms of the next coach of Bama? Well, they're two wonderful questions, Jackson. Um, I, uh, I have uh, the Paul Feinbaum show recorded on my YouTube TV every day. Uh, and so I was out at our sponsor, matter of fact, Munganess St. Louis Acura, when it happened, and uh, immediately, like, I got to go home, and I got to see what happened on Feinbaum. And the first two or three hours of the show, he was just doing the normal thing, where he was taking callers who may or may not be playing characters, and then all of a sudden, they get that report, and you would have thought, it was like, you know, I mean, it was like the biggest breaking news that's ever happened on that show, I would imagine. I mean, Nick Saban on the Paul Feinbaum show. And they, I don't think, spent as much time at that time. At the same time, I'm not sure if the report was out, but there is a report that he, when he addressed his team, that he talked about his own health. Mm. That health factored in, in addition to the fact that he's 72 years old. Right. But health factor. I don't feel like that's getting that much attention. I was unaware of it until you just said it. Oh, really? Okay. Friend that. of the show, John Talty, tweeted that report out. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, and, and Talty wrote a book with Nick Saban. It was a bestseller uh, here within the last couple of years. So, I, so, therefore, if that is indeed the case, and again, this is somebody who wrote a book with him, um, I give it a great deal of credibility because you were going to find a lot of non-credible reporting on the Alabama coaching situation and the dominoes that are about to fall and coaching across the board with both the Saban replacement most likely being a head coach somewhere at this point. It's not a done deal that it's that's the way, but it certainly could be. And then you'll have a domino effect by who goes there and so on and so forth. And then the domino effects of Belichick now out in, in New England and Carroll out in Seattle and so on and so forth. And you could see college and pros cross there with Kalen DeBoer going to the Seahawks if that's the direction they want to go. So with that all established, uh, the health then takes the how you exited out of the equation. I thought one of the, the things that I kind of feel like in a way is spin is, well, I mean, he did go out on top because he won the SEC and beat Georgia and beat Kirby Smart, who was the heir to his throne in the SEC. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily see it that way. But again, if health is the reason or the primary reason anyway, along with the fact that he's 72, then that's then that then you don't have the choice of going out on, you know, the Michael Jordan, right. John Elway, what Tony LaRusa had say, yeah. uh, before going back to the White Sox. I, I would I bet if you ask Saban, did you go out on top, he would say no. Right. The SEC championship is not his. But at the same time, I really do, and we were saying this during the, the season, I don't want to say we, I was, I think you may have as well, and I know a number of people around college football, when you lose by double digits at home 
to a very good Texas team. It's not like they lost to a bad team, but a very good Texas team, and then had the problems they were having the following week against a nondescript South Florida team and had to fight to win that, and you're benching Jalen Milrow, and then you get to overtime against the eventual national champions in the college football playoff, and you beat Georgia that year, that's a hell of a coaching job. And that's why I thought there was a chance he could be coach of the year because of the fact that he took a team that was despondent in early September and and got them to where they did. And had they won in overtime, I think there's a very good chance that they beat Washington. Um, I just think when it's all said and done, I don't think that... Let me put it this way. Alabama might have been the four seed, but this wasn't your standard Cincinnati or TCU four yeah. seed is why right. if TCU was the four seed last year. Anyway, Jackson, I think they were the three seed. Um, how they're feeling in Tuscaloosa, you asked? Um, they said also in this John Talty report that uh, they told the players they will have a new head coach in 72 hours. Mm-hmm. So... Therefore, I would imagine they have a very short list. Yeah, would agree. The name Dan Lanning in Oregon is the one. When people say it's being reported, I don't really know if it's being reported. I guess it was because there was a local television anchor in Eugene, Oregon, who said uh, he used to work in Tuscaloosa and he knows that Dan Lanning is in Tuscaloosa. This was said on their newscast last night. But then 24-7 Sports came out and said that is not true in capital letters. And uh, the Gabe DeArmond, I guess, of Oregon uh, said he is not in Tuscaloosa. That is not the case. We do have some kind of compare and contrast situation with Dan Lanning because his name was immediately mentioned when Jimbo Fisher was fired at Texas A&M. And he very quickly said, I am not going to College Station. So, will we hear from Dan Lanning today? Would it make sense? He's only 37. How about that? But he was an assistant GA at uh, Alabama in 2015, and he was on Kirby Smart's staff before going to Oregon, so he has SEC ties. A guy who won the coach of the year in Kalen DeBoer um, at Washington has never coached in the SEC. I don't know how much that would factor in. Um, Do they value that? even if he is on this superstar trajectory. Uh, of course, Lane Kiffin is what considered the second most likely yes. by the, the gambling odds. Yep. So um, if, you, if, I, if I got the field and you got those three, would you feel good about the, uh, your spot that it would be Lanning, Kiffin, or DeBoer? Mm, man, that's tough because... And then I get the field. I would feel... I would feel you know, as confident as one can be with a gamble. Having said that, this is a job that it's not like you're taking over for the legend, the king of kings. Like you are taking over. Right. For it's like who's going to do balloon party? After perfect. I'm done. Perfect comparison. Thank you. Because like, because I feel like in a way I was debating whether or not if that would come off as arrogant. <laughs> like you're talking about Wayne Kiffin, who's obviously he's a young guy and has been around the block a few times, but has found. Seemingly a happy home in Oxford, Mississippi. Dan Lanning and Kalen DeBoer, who might as well be mayors of their individual college towns and are beloved. And you're going to go into an environment where nothing short of absolute greatness, meaning a championship, is expected year in and year out. And if you can't provide that, you are taking a big step back in your career after making the biggest leap forward you could possibly make. It's a dangerous play. You're getting paid real good, whether you're in Seattle or Eugene or Oxford. 
I actually think I'd be more confident with the field. How about that? I was thinking yesterday. Wow, I was thinking, look at you. I was Controversial thinking, host. That's right. That's right. I was thinking yesterday, because the last time we had something like this was when Coach K retired. Absolute legend. So, but, that, but immediately it was known who was going to take over. Am I right? Right? John Shire. Yeah. Right. Right. But, but that's what I'm saying. It wasn't, right. you didn't have this. No, no. The, the search wasn't there, but they did hire from within to a guy who was established I'm not saying that that's what Alabama's going to well, do. Well, they, they won't because the day before, Kevin Steele, their defensive coordinator, retired at the age of 66, and their offensive coordinator is catching some hell, Tommy Reese, former that's Notre right. Dame quarterback. Right. So you just don't have that on the staff. Right. But you, do you want someone who's been affiliated with Alabama before, someone the fans already know and have a relationship with? Is but at another school, but has been in Alabama. Right. Well, and I mean, like, the Nick Saban coaching tree is the... 21st century version of the Bill Walsh coaching tree. So I'd be curious if they would try to target somebody from that coaching tree. Right, which is why I say Kalen DeBoer might be the guy, yeah. even though I don't think he's like a name. Like Lane, Kiff- Lane Kiffin's Q rating is higher than Kalen DeBoer, even though he's taken a team further than than Lane Kiffin ever has, uh, as far as a head coach goes. But I don't think he's a knife. I think if you asked 100 sports fans, the head coach of, you know, who won the Eddie Robinson coach of the year this year, how many would say Kalen DeBoer? How many, uh, if they showed the sidelines on Monday night, oh, that's Jim Harbaugh. What's the name of that guy? You know what I mean? You have to kind of be right. as weird as it is, especially with it being in the Pacific Northwest. One thing to think about if you are these guys, I think the comfort level of being Dan Lanning in Oregon, he's only 37, as I made reference to earlier, but it's got to be super high. You don't have the pressure that you have in Tuscaloosa. Same for Kalen DeBoer. Um and same for Lane Kiffin, actually. I yeah. mean, the Ole Miss expectations, they're in the SEC, but they're not Alabama expectations, nor are they Georgia expectations or even Tennessee expectations, I think, um, which may be unfounded, but I think that's reality at the moment. And certainly we've seen what's going on in College Station. Uh, but here are your uh, recent Coach of the Year winners, the edgy Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year. Uh, this year it was Kalen DeBoer, as I made reference to, Sonny Dykes last year, TCU head coach, went under 500 this year and is probably under pressure to right the ship this year. Otherwise, he could be in trouble. And he was just the coach of the year 13 months ago. Uh, Luke Fickle, he was the, oh my God, is he going to take over for Brian Kelly? You know, he can go anywhere. He had a kind of a whatever season in Madison this year. Uh, Jamie Chadwell in 2020, 2020 had an asterisk. He was at Coastal Carolina. He's now at um, Liberty. Ed Orgeron, fired two years later. Bill Clark, UAB, no longer coaching in football. Part of that is health-related. Uh, Scott Frost, not currently coaching in college football. And Mike McIntyre at Colorado, who I have to be honest with you, <laughs> I do not remember. And I think somebody has doctored the uh, Wikipedia page I'm looking at. Colorado But he coach? is the head coach at uh, Florida International now. Why do I bring that up? These coaches also have to strike while the iron is hot. Yeah, 100%. And in Washington and Michigan's case in particular, although we're not talking about Harbaugh, it's a different set of circumstances there with the investigations, it would make all the sense in the world because I don't think Kalen DeBoer is going to have the same roster that he has this coming year that he had with Michael Penix and the Huskies this year. Looking down the road for Missouri, a lot of expectations for this coming year might not be the same case following 2024. Don't know because the world has changed with the portal. Point being, you may be comfortable in Seattle or Eugene or take your pick of wherever else, Oxford. But if you're going, oh boy, I can kind of see a drop off and therefore my stock drops, maybe I am willing to take this chance despite the fact 
that I am comfortable. Either way, a report from a credible reporter, somebody who wrote the book with Nick Saban, young reporter by the name of John Talty, very near and dear to the hearts of TMA listeners, uh, says that uh, Alabama was told they would have a new coach within 72 hours, and we are probably about 18 hours into that. So the dominoes will begin to fall. Saban, of course, not the only one who's done. Pete Carroll let go yesterday, and Bill Belichick per ESPN uh, in the Patriots parting ways, but ESPN reporting he wants to continue to coach. Where will he go? Conversations on him, because Bill Belichick in St. Louis, whether you like it or not, they're tied. I really believe Super Bowl 36 was a defining moment, not just because it was a St. Louis team losing a Super Bowl, but for what eventually happened. I do believe that was a sliding doors moment. We'll talk about that coming up. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Party. Tim McCurdy, Jackson, Burkett with you. Get involved on the program anytime you would like. 314-399-9646. Then you got the uh, Airlines team. I'm just wondering if those my headphones. Sorry. Sorry. I'm that is like a thousand. I'm sorry. It's okay. Tell, tell, tell the audience what's going on. Just peek behind the curtain. Audio won't work. Either way, I'm good. It's okay. No, no, no. Come here. Come here. Look at me. It's not your fault. Thanks, Sean. It's not your fault. Sean, don't do this to me. I was trying to calm my six-year-old down last night over a Lego mishap, and I immediately hearkened back to that right there when I saw you. So far, are you looking for the torts audio? Well, yeah. It's okay. Talk to me. Talk to me. I've been there. I've been a good-looking 25-year-old like, single man who all the guys listening to sports talk radio wanted. My audio issues are beyond boring to the listeners, so I'm not going to bore people with it. Okay, fair enough. But you are going to update them on last night's Atlanta Hawks game coming up in yeah, seven minutes. Sure. Okay, no right, fair enough. Uh, Jackson, uh, do you have a second question here on this uh, Thursday thoroughfare on 101 ESPN and the 101 ESPN YouTube channel, which is a camera sponsored by Airlines, Airlines team, and they're very active in there, and I love seeing it. Bill Belichick is also leaving his post as the coach of the Patriots, but unlike Nick Saban, he wants to continue to coach. First off, does it surprise you that Belichick and the Pats couldn't figure out a way to keep him as coach or some sort of role with the Patriots? And secondly, where do you think is the next de- destination for the six-time Super Bowl champion coach? Well, the first question assumes that they wanted to continue to work together, and I'm not operating on that premise, so I don't necessarily... Is that am I answering it there, or am I missing something? If my question was leading in a sense of an assumption based on that they wanted to keep him there, that's my apologies. It was kind of more open ended. It's like, is it not? Is it surprising that he is not going to continue as the coach? No, of the I don't think so. I mean, it's been a real mess here, and offensively, it is gross. You know what that thing is. But you could make a lot of money in 2023 on betting Patriots unders. I'd be curious what that kind of broke down percentage wise. Uh, they're, they're over under. I know a lot of it was weather related in week 18, but uh, it was 29 for the Jets game this past weekend. Uh, nonetheless, uh, no, I'm not surprised by that. Are you surprised by it? Yes and no. I'm not surprised based on what has happened over the last two years, or honestly, since Brady has left. It's, it has not looked good by any means. However, I think a guy like that. I feel like should control his own destiny in that sense. But also, I don't own the team, and if I think it's best for the team to not have Bill Belichick as the coach, then that's that. I, I think when you're turning 72 in April, so Carroll Saban and, and Belichick all 72 this year, 
at the at the moment. You don't want to. That that's a that's going to be a that's not a quick turnaround there. I don't think. I mean, mm-hmm. we have certainly seen them in the NFL, but I just don't think that that is a quick turnaround. I wonder if the Falcons would be the place he goes. I think the Falcons have a lot of pieces, but the one that they don't have is the same reason why Saban wound up leaving the Dolphins to go to Alabama, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, and that is quarterback. Tried Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, and happening. And so, you know, if they feel like they're a quarterback away, and whether they go drafting that direction, or maybe they make a deal with the Bears, whatever the case might be, maybe that would be the landing spot. I still am putting my money on Harbaugh being with the Chargers. Mm. I think a lot of people think that Belichick could be in L.A. Uh, I don't know. I'm just, I feel like that's, that's, that's where I'm going. If you were to hire Bill Belichick, as a, if you're a front office guy, you would want an already established quarterback when you get him. Because like you said, 72 years old. I agree with that. But the other elements that I think the Chargers are lacking, the Falcons have. Yes, the quarterback thing is a huge, huge thing. It's specifically with the Falcons and also specifically considering he had one of the greatest to ever do it as his quarterback while he was successful. So I don't discount that. Um, but the Falcons have a lot of the pieces that the Chargers are lacking and there are a bunch of them. And yeah, the Chargers have the quarterback, but they're missing quite a bit. And when you're starting to look at whether it be Keenan Allen and age, Mike Williams uh, and health, uh, they're they're lacking both on that side of the ball and defensively. So that is why I wonder on Belichick going to San Diego. Let me throw another team at you. The Washington Commanders. I don't get I, I must be missing something on the Commanders. I don't know why if you're Jim Harbaugh or Bill Belichick, you would go there. Sam Howell's a young quarterback, and he's looked pretty solid. I just feel like that's the one that's like, okay, we're going to wind up getting a coordinator, and it's a project. Yeah, I could very well see that, but like you compare, like I, I agree, the Falcons have more of the pieces that you would want if you're a head coach looking for a new destination, but you have a quarterback in Washington where you do not have one in Atlanta. Yeah, I just think that that's like that, but there's one piece, and you can get that piece. That's what I think. Yeah, but we've seen these backup quarterbacks this year, and how tough they. I mean, the best one, the best quarterback who stepped up this year has been Joe Flacco, a guy who was out of football up to and I'm pulling for him. Yeah, no doubt. But like we've seen that. You and I are the only ones interested in this Texans-Browns game. Yeah, we've seen that like the best teams are the teams that we think are going to probably make the deepest run in the NFL playoffs this year all have their starting quarterback still healthy. The guys who, the teams who you think have no chance all are playing backups, pretty much. Pretty much. Not That's not totally the case, but you look at the Ravens and Niners, both have their quarterbacks who've been in MVP conversations the entire season. And that's, that's, that's really important. And if I'm Belichick, I'm not trying to wait around for a rookie or, you know, second try quarterback, you know, whether that be... Whoever. If he goes to the Falcons, I would be surprised if they're like trying to find a quarterback. I just think that that will be tended to. At the same time, relative to the big offseason baseball managerial acquisition, I never would have thought the Cubs would be as dormant as they've been to date. Yeah. Bill Belichick and Craig Council are in two different generations as far as their uh, ages go. Do you have a second part to that question that I haven't tended to or I already attended to everything? We're basically doing it. I was saying, what destination do you think okay. he will go right. to next? Uh, fair enough. Uh, Jackson, it's 1030, so let's make sure we break to attempt to stay on some form of a clock. Uh, you are welcome to participate in the show. I'll take a look at the text inbox and the YouTube chat during the commercial break. You're listening to Balloon Party, driven by Mungan S. St. Louis Acura and Mungan S. Burkhardt, Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN.
All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you. The program's called Balloon Party. We're on 101 ESPN and the 101 ESPN YouTube channel. 128 friends of the feather have gathered to talk it over, and they're very active in there. Jackson, you see tiny peepees talking with Bishon about sports and droid effects, along with Eric Nickens. It's about time those guys hooked up. And uh, is it, do you pronounce it Japple or J-Apple? Let's go J-Apple. Okay, fair enough. Uh, they're talking along with Deep Voice Dude. So hmm. they're in there and they're talking it over. You can do the same Sam thing. YouTube.com, 101 ESPN channel. Jackson, do you have another question on this Thursday thoroughfare? First half, all about Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll. What do we got now? What are you doing now? What's next? The Kevin... Hayes situation is very interesting and another byproduct of the social media age. Does the misreporting around this story strike you as more of a reflection of social media, making it easy to attack a guy despite proper information, or more of a reflection on Philly media and Philly sports fans? Uh, way more of the former. I don't view it as a Philadelphia thing. Uh, for those not familiar with it, Kevin Hayes, per a podcast that was a fan podcast, but then the Flyers have taken it over. Jeremy Rutherford told us yesterday uh, on TMA. Mm-hmm. And they reported that Kevin Hayes, according to multiple sources, was the one responsible for their fifth overall pick wanting to get out of Philadelphia. And they did just trade him a couple of nights ago to Anaheim. And uh, John Tortorella, who is their coach, and you call him Torts when you do your hockey podcast. That's right. Um, last night, following a win by the Flyers, by the way, in a shootout over Labitant, 3-2, to two, your final with that shootout. Uh, so it's not like he was in a bad place. Listen to this. I just thought this was wonderful. Is the, is the guy here, is there, doesn't, the guy here that, that caused Kevin Hayes a problem? Yes. You? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Do you think Kevin Hayes is going to do something like that? Any last questions? Person letting the first two by him. It, it just it pisses me off that, that you guys throw that around and affect someone's life. You know, Kevin Hayes and I had a problem. Uh, we couldn't come to an agreement how to play. That's a good man. That's a good man. And, and what you said is going to stay with him. It'll, it'll, that, that's what you guys don't understand. You say something, and you're going to sit there and say you have the right source. And I call Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. I asked Jeremy Rutherford about this on TMA yesterday because Kevin Hayes went off, but understandably so, for about four minutes uh, Tuesday before the Blues played the Panthers at the morning skate. And uh, and he was asked about this report, I guess you're going to call it that. I mean, I don't know what's really a report and what's not anymore. It's like, the and I'm not trying to, maybe the guy in the Eugene local TV station really does know that Dan Lanning was in Tuscaloosa. Maybe he does. It's just what what is a report because of the ability just to spew something and not be accountable. You don't know what is real and what's not. 
But Kevin Hayes, Jeremy Rutherford said he usually, you know, it, with any athlete, they're, the athletes are kind of trained for the most part, at least until you get to a point where you have so much money and you've got cachet and equity that you can say whatever you want. In other words, the better interviews are usually the guy who are in their final few years because they can. Kevin Hayes, he said, you know, usually I look down, I get an answer and it's 15 seconds. I asked him the question about the situation in Philadelphia and I looked down and three minutes and 58 seconds later, he stopped talking. He was so fired up about it. He was getting death threats. Uh, he had a brother who passed away and uh, Flyer fans were contacting him and bringing that up and celebrating it. He was furious. So here's John Tortorella, uh, who he acknowledges, you know, it's not like he and Kevin Hayes were close. They just had a disagreement on the way to go about it. And I love that he called that out. I love it. I just think if you won't like crap being spewed, that's not true. You got to call attention to it. And so good for him. I, uh, I was a big fan of that. I don't think that's a Philadelphia thing. I think that's a current state of basically anybody being able to, you know, grab a microphone. And even if they don't bring in a dollar to the podcast uh, or their blog or whatever the hell it is, or Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, they're denying it. There must be something there. Well, what are you supposed to do if it's not true? Yeah. You know? Right. Anyway, what are your thoughts, Jackson? This is, this is my hot, but you know this is my... Oh, I know. I know. I know. Yeah, it's... You have, like, nowadays more so than ever because of how quickly information gets spread around. You know, it's not like the days in the newspaper where in the morning people would get the news and find out. It can, we literally all found out Nick Saban was retiring at the same time within minutes of each other. How fast information spreads. If you're spreading something that isn't true or half true or could lead to somebody getting the ire of social media, people, again, anonymous usually, DMing uh, somebody who they would never say it to their face, but it's still just as dangerous and scary. You know, you can say, like, oh, oh grow no. thicker skin. No. You, you ever had that come into your DM and you tell me how thick your skin is? So when you have something like that, you have to be more careful than ever about making sure that your sources are correct, the story you have is accurate, and then if, you know, hell breaks loose after that, at least you have that to fall back on. I wasn't misreporting the truth. I was telling the truth. What happens afterwards out of my hands. But when you don't, when you misreport the truth, and then things, all hell breaks loose, it goes right back onto you. You are the one, you know, all of those situations where people start reaching out to a player and sending death threats, that, that becomes on the reporter because you made that decision to make to make that public and you knew the backlash that could happen from it and know how fast the information can spread it's very basic i mean i would hope nobody who has a child who's considering this ever you know has to implement it because that means they would have chosen journalism as a major um but when i did go to the university of missouri journalism school this is like i said you don't really know to go to journalism school to to know this um because it's so basic, I can say it right now and, and save people money. But again, I would not advise pursuing the major. Uh, you, you have two primary sources confirm before you report. How often do you think that really goes on right now for people who are kind of, you know, barnacles on the hubs of journalism, the sinking ship that is? It's just like, oh, I got it. I got to get it first. You know, we saw it happen with John Morosi a few weeks ago with the Shoei Otani on a flight to Toronto thing. You feel the pressure to get it first. Or you're just young or new or switching careers and trying to get attention. And so you you throw this stuff out there. And then there's no penalty for it. Right. I think there does need to be a penalty for it. So that's why I like it. And that might be the only penalty that they experience. 
but there it is. You, yeah. got, you had Kevin Hayes yeah, uh, two days ago here in St. Louis, and you had uh, Tortorella last night following the Flyers win over the Canadians. Your thoughts are welcome. 314-399-9646, Air Comfort Service. Text line, Air Alliance, Team Studio Camera, sponsoring the YouTube chat where they're talking it over. And uh, we uh, say go back and podcast anything you missed. Dobbs Tire and Auto Center's podcast. We'll take a commercial break, come back with our final segment of Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Balloon Party final segment before BK and Ferrario take over. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you. Uh, Jackson's got this Thursday thoroughfare going. It's alliteration and it's really, you know, Jackson, it's fun. I'm having a blast. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I I guess that we're on question four or is this question five? Four. Or it is. All right, what do we got? So on the flip side of the coaching vacancy madness, Eric Spolstra just extended his tenure with the Miami Heat to the tune of $120 million over an eight-year deal. Tie this into the Battle Hawks somehow. <laughs> For reference, $120 million is the total sum of money Nick Saban made at Alabama. Just for a little... Now, what was now what was the point of that? Oh, I just... just Spolstra is now the highest paid coach in sports, and I just wanted to, you know... I just thought it was an interesting little okay, nugget. Right. I honestly did not mean for it to be like, okay. a, like look at me, Mr. Basketball. Um, Who's that an impression of right there? Myself, I guess. Uh, Spolstra, Pat Riley, and the Heat have famously created heat culture, which is a culture based around competition, accountability for yourself and your body, and more so than anything, winning. With the turnover rate being so high with coaches across sports, how valuable is it to not only establish a longtime coach, but create a culture of winning and a unified front with the front office? Are there any other franchises in sports in a similar position? Do you think what the Heat currently have with Spolstra and Pat Riley will increase over time or become more and more rare across sports? Um, I don't. I feel like it's almost as rare as it can be already. So therefore, I don't know if it can become rarer. Right. Like I'm thinking of other. Fran- this is something that me and Marshy kicked around yesterday in the uh, 101 Sports. Well, office. the one that all I always go to because it was the Cardinals. Now it's not. It it is at the moment. You know where I'm going. Yeah, Pittsburgh. Right, Steelers. Steelers. Where did you and Marsh? That's where arrive. Yeah. Any, anybody else other than the Steelers? We were really thinking hard on it and. It's it's so damn rare to have it where you're in lockstep with the front office and you create a culture where your identity becomes your culture, not the players or the coach. I think, and I don't know if in 20 years I will view this differently, but I feel passionately about this, and it's really got nothing to do with sports teams per se. Uh, you can apply it to all businesses. Um I was reading Tony Barnhart. I don't know if you're familiar with him, Mr. College Football on Twitter, Mr. CFB. He's an SEC guy. Mm -hmm. And he said he talked to Nick Saban the day he was hired in Tuscaloosa. And I'll tie this back to the Spolster question in coaching stability versus teams with a turnover. And, And he said to Saban, because keep in mind, Nick Saban did not inherit what whoever replaces Nick Saban will inherit. Yeah, He was replacing Mike Shula, who I believe replaced Dennis Franchione, who I believe replaced Mike DuBose, wow. who replaced Gene Stallings, who won a national championship after leaving the St. Louis football Cardinals and Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I think they were the Phoenix Cardinals when he was there. Anyway, Jackson. Saban says to Barnard, the toughest thing for me to establish when I get here is that there's one person in charge. 
Now, I think when you're talking college sports versus pro sports, you're talking about two different, you know, inmates running the asylum. In professional sports, it can be it can be rogue front office or it can be rogue players. In college sports, it can certainly be rogue players, rogue AD, but also, as I think has been the case with Alabama's rival, Auburn, rogue boosters. And you come in and you establish, it is me. It is my responsibility. If you want to give me credit, be my guest. But it's my responsibility. But nobody else is getting in. We are building a program. It's not a team. It's a program. And I think once players and front office... And whether that's at the college level with the chancellor and the system for the university or the professional level with the owner, once the players and everybody associated with that team knows it doesn't matter if you go running to your, you know, bitch boy in the media to try to take them out with your anonymous crap that this person is in charge and there's nothing you can do about it. I think that creates a real positive culture, assuming it's important to include this. It's not about assuming that they're winning because Tomlin certainly has had a roller coaster, albeit while still being able to turn over uh, and keep winning uh, in Pittsburgh. And, you know, they'll have the hands full this weekend as a double digit underdog against Buffalo. But nonetheless, a season that looked like, again, the streak was going to end. They got into the postseason. They finished above 500. I think that it sends a message to the whole operation that there is stability and stability breeds confidence. And I also think it creates a culture. Yeah. I really am just, I'm, I'm, I'm a real advocate for that. Um, I, I just, I, and really when I get fired up about it or I get worked up about it, I'm not even really thinking about sports teams because they are so few. I mean, you cite Spolster and I go, God, who's the second? And then you, second most tenured NBA coach. And you go, well, Spolster is because Popovic in San Antonio. I'm like, oh yeah, of course. And I go, who's third? And it's Kerr, Steve right? Kerr. And then it's Mike Malone and the Nuggets. And then you said it's a precipitous drop off. Yeah. I mean, it's so rare. And for Cardinal fans, let's tie it locally. The, the, Stability you had from 90, I mean, really, I can go way before La Russa. You go Herzog. Yeah, there was a brief bit in there before Tory was hired, but Herzog, Tory, and I know the Tory years weren't good, but it's not like that was Tory's fault. I think we can kind of see that based on what took place even before he was with the Yankees. He had success in Atlanta. Uh, and, and, and then, of course, what he did with New York. But Herzog, Tory, La Russa, that takes you from 1980 through 2011. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And a lot of success along the way. Um, and you also didn't necessarily have a bunch of turnover in the front office. I mean, LaRusa and Jockety were working together for more than a decade. And then who takes over for Jockety? Mazalak. What have you seen here recently? Bunch of different managers, bunch of different complaints, and you sense some instability. Even though Mazalak's still there, you just sense some instability. I do anyway. Yeah. Um, I, like, like, for example, I, would I bet on Ali Marmol losing his job this year? No. But would it surprise me if he did? No. And I wouldn't imagine it would even him internally would unless right. he's been told, hey, you can win 70 games again and you're good. I just don't see that being the case. And that also comes with a lack of stability. And that's that's something that I just really value. I, 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 in, in the college ranks, going back to Saban, um, you know, we talked about it this time last year. Well, Eli Drinkwitz, I don't know. And it's like, yeah, I don't know either. 
But I saw some progress, and either way, it's Columbia, Missouri, and you don't have the blood color of Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State or Michigan or USC. You have to give coaches time to instill their program, their program. If Missouri would have parted ways with Gary Pankow and many wanted them to, you would have never seen 2007, 2008, 2013, 2014. And I feel strongly about teams turning over coaches way too quickly. Now, on the other side of it, what have we seen here locally with the Blues? I realize they're coming off a bad loss Tuesday, but you saw a team going into that loss against Florida that was 7-3 and three with Drew Bannister. And you saw a Minnesota team that, before their injuries, experienced a surge after terminating Dean Evison. Same thing with the Edmonton Oilers, going, oh my God, here's a team that's picked to win the Stanley Cup, and they're in a spot where they're firing their coach a couple weeks in, and then they get a boost. I just think that a lot of the game is trying to win over sponsors and season ticket holders, and oftentimes you're hurting yourself by trying to serve the hopium uh, versus what is really uh, about building a program and creating stability. And that short-term boost of the hope and trying that short-term injection of revenue from, oh, see, we've got a new coach, it's all going to change, becomes BS. And I would point to Knoxville, Tennessee as a is an obvious example in in college sports and in professional sports, I could point to 20 different teams. And at this point I could go all over the four major North American professional sports leagues. I admire what the heat have done and what the Steelers have done and what for a time the Cardinals had done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the goal to me. It's not easy to do that. First you have to win, but also you have to refrain from giving in to pressure. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think the goal should be, you know, year to year, players change like crazy. You know, you got this team coming in town. Well, who they got this year, how they look this year. What you want it to be is, I don't care who's on the team. If the Miami Heat are in town, we know they're playing a certain style. Ever since Pat Riley took over in 05 and 06, they've played the certain style, and it's shown in their records. They have been to the final six times since Spolstra taken over. It doesn't matter who's on the team. When they come, they play a certain way because they've established a culture. You look at the Lions and Dan Campbell. They play really hard. They play really fun football. If you can be there for a while and create a culture like that, it doesn't matter who's on the team. You know they're playing a certain way, and that should be the goal, not who's on the team, who is the team. That The culture should be the identity. That's Jackson Burkett. I'm Tim McKernan. It's time for us to shut it down. This closes out Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, Burkhardt, Alton Toyota, and Munganess St. Louis Acura on 101 ESPN and the 101 ESPN YouTube channel. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.